0: Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean.
1: And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome in to the Gramlich and McLean podcast. Again, a happy 2023 to all who celebrate. I think that's pretty much everyone, as we are in a new year, and you, you can't deny that it is 2023 and Mac <laughs> yeah
0: was- are there people out there
1: <laughs> are there people that who say forget the re- new year
0: <laughs> recognize what year it is like they just make it up as they go
1: it's actually January 4th or whatever day today is 2022 again no way it's 2023 y'all <laughs> We are into our Jordan year as a society. Are you ready for that, For, the,
0: for those who participate.
1: <laughs> well, I feel like I have to say that now with every holiday, right? No,
0: you do not. Don't to conform. all who celebrate. You don't have to conform to that. You don't have to do
1: it. To all who celebrate. <laughs> we are going, this is going to sound bad, but we're going to talk about the losers today. We have four ACC episode. bowl games that, in which the ACC team lost. However, I think there is a lot, arguably more to be discussed from the losers than the winners. Yeah. We always say, Mac, you learn more from a loss than you do from a win. You should. Can you buy into that?
0: No, you absolutely should. And I think, um, you know, specifically looking at some of these young players, you know, some of these quarterbacks, uh, you know, who, who did lose, you know, just going back and looking at that tape and, you know, is it a couple of plays here and there that, you know, I could have changed that I could do differently? How, how can I figure that out? Uh, I think that's important, you know, to, to not learn from, you know these type of things to not learn from you know, really a snapshot of the future for a lot of these teams um you know I, th- I think would would ultimately be a loss there but you know to figure that out to find out how can we address it how can we get better what do we need to do as a team and the interesting thing we didn't touch on this on tuesday's episode but what's interesting about this kg is going into the offseason you know with a loss sucks like mm. the last there's not a lot of people that win their last game ever or their last game before something starts, just because it's, you know, if you do, you're probably not very good and, and you ended, you know, a, a game, whatever. And if you do, uh, you, you do win in the postseason, it's, it's probably like jubilation. Like it's this crazy right. thing. Um, So it's really tough to do. Um, But man, it, it's not a fun feeling. And, and it's like this depressing cloud that just kind of hangs over yeah. you. And it's like, do I watch the tape? Do I not watch the tape? You better watch the tape. Um, And then like you go to winter workouts and it, you're up at 5 a.m., it's dark, it's cold, it's miserable, and you try to figure it out. So to flush that as quickly as you can is uh, you know just one of those things where you, you got to go. Or on the other side, you use it as fire and you use it as, I never want to feel this again. Let's get this going. Let's get this figured out.
1: But it does linger because you have eight months, basically, where you just have to sit there with that loss. And your fan base has to sit there with it. And I know... For a lot of these fan bases, for Clemson, for NC State, for Syracuse, and for North Carolina, you have to sit with it, and you don't feel good about it. And I think we should start, we'll start with Clemson, but first, we need to tell you about our new sponsor. New year! New sponsor here on the pod.
0: (laughs) Come on, KG. We have teamed up with Rock'em Socks. I'm super excited about this sponsorship, about this partnership with these guys. The world's largest Sock store. And what do I mean by that? You can shop over 10,000 plus exclusive. You know what exclusive means? You can only find it in one place. Mm. Sock designs, including your favorite college teams. They have every ACC team a bunch of different fun designs. There were Christmas Clemson socks that I received in the mail. There they are. They look beautiful. These are actually hoops um, socks. Oh, hoops, excuse me. Uh, you're a little grainy. Sometimes technology, you know, it helps us. Sometimes it doesn't. Don't tell me It will look very that. clear. It will look very clear on YouTube. You guys will see it better than I could. Um, and and, and I, I love the fact, KG, we're going to be doing a ton of giveaways with this new partnership. Uh, so any team that you like, any just sock, just go over to rockemsocks.com. They have anything you can think of. I'm a big Marvel fan. Uh, so they have all kinds of different things for all those movies, all those superheroes just different entertainment things, uh, the college football playoff. If you want to rep your team, uh, excuse me, National Championship, Georgia or TCU, they've got them, and there you go. KG's rocking the gold ones, as you can see right here front and center. So love these guys, really excited about this partnership and some fun things we're going to be doing in the future.
1: Go over to Rockemsocks.com and you can get 20% off with our code GML20 at checkout. That's G M. L-20 at checkout for 20% off your first purchase at Rockham Socks. Find your new lucky pair of socks for game day and get your feet in on the fun. One of our favorite things about this, Tumac, is they have every ACC school. They have basically every university, but especially as an ACC podcast, we wanted to make sure they have every (laughs) ACC school, and they do. They even have um, some Wolfpack guys on the staff so there's definitely a lot of Wolfpack, <laughs> nc state options for you
0: that's right you know, you know kg as you were saying our discount code there i was trying to think of something catchy outside of just our last names like and mm. McLane Um uh, being two words so it gets two initials there um and you know what i thought of which is super sad good morning losers because that's what this episode is about if you're tuning in right now your team lost and we're going to talk <laughs> about it Uh, So let's just get started. GML, everybody. GML.
1: GML. Good morning, losers. Okay. Let's start at the Capital One Orange Bowl. Number six, Tennessee. Defeats number seven, Clemson, 31-14. This game, if you're a Tennessee fan, jubilation, right? This is your biggest win in many, many years. Well, the Bama win, probably. But you're back in the Orange Bowl. Great. We're going to look at this from a Clemson perspective because we're an ACC podcast. Let's just start – Overall thoughts, Mac. Overall thoughts on this game. You were there in Miami. You saw, you felt the vibe. You saw the stands. You saw the body language. Just overall thoughts from this game.
0: I'm glad you mentioned the stands because I wasn't even going to think about that, but I just did. Uh, Tennessee not only whipped you on the field and on the scoreboard, uh, but they dominated the fans. Yeah. I mean, it was like 70-30. It I'm was not, like
1: 70-30. Let's be realistic. Tennessee hasn't been to a New Year's Six Bowl in 20 years. And Clemson has gone to playoffs year in in and year out, et cetera. I mean, I think that's human nature a little bit.
0: Sure. Sure. But But it stinks. It stinks.
1: It did sound like there were a lot of Tennessee fans there.
0: Yeah. A little embarrassing. A little embarrassing for my alma mater. But, hey, whatever. I understand. Wasn't a lot of people at the ACC Championship either. So, I don't know when the line gets drawn of when you go to games Mm. and when you don't go to games. Um, I just know that I would always be there to support. So, anyway, here we go. Uh, Looking at this game, super interesting, KG, because I think they're – there's a lot of different ways to look at it because, to yeah. me, this game very similar, ironically enough, to the Syracuse game. We'll talk about that here in a second, mm-hmm. where Team A dominates like the box score. And Syracuse a little more lopsided than Clemson, Tennessee, at least till the end. Tennessee really turned it on in the fourth quarter, moving the football and things of that nature. But Clemson just did what they wanted. I mean, running the football, throwing the football, uh it, it was impressive to see up until a point. Like they got to the 30 yard line and just forgot how to play football, exactly. forgot how to call plays, forgot how to execute at the high level. And man, it just really stalled out. So that was interesting. Um, I we rarely criticize people to a degree of I don't want to say blame, but we yeah. try to be very positive. On this show, I try to be very positive on TV. Cause at the end of the day, I understand that it's it's kids and you know, whatever. But when it comes to
1: the pressure, we, we, like
0: we've been there. We've been there. Every
1: student athlete who goes out there is giving everything they have most of the time.
0: Right. No question. But I do think that coaches are fair game because they're making millions of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it's their job. And I did not like the game plan that Clemson had going in at at all. And I, I thought that the play calling was bad. I thought that you put the ball in a true freshman's hand in his first start ever, 74 times it's that crazy. is insane throwing it 54 times, 20 rushes for Cade Clubnick. It's not fair to be honest. It's not fair that Did you Trevor ask Lawrence him
1: ever to do throw that. the ball 54
0: times, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And he's one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback in Clemson history. And so it was baffling to me. Yeah. All by the while, you have a guy in Will Shipley who's going crazy, you have a guy in Phil Moffa who every time he gets the rock is running eight, nine yards. And then I hear after the game, well, hindsight, we should, well, not really, like, everyone knows this is working when you do it. And so to me, it's a very interesting situation where Clemson is right now because a lot of the criticism, uh, and rightfully so, was put on the quarterback position. Well, now that you have a guy that we saw be very successful and and we think will be very successful – now there's like this weird revert backwards to can't do anything. It can't get going. And and I think it's even more telling the green zone, not even red zone, the green zone struggles of we get to X spot on the field and nothing can be done. We get to – I keep saying we, I'm sorry, but it is we right now. We we get to third and eight, and the only solution is throw a fade. Like, can you run a 12-yard route? Can you run something in the middle of the field where guys can catch it and run? Like, wh- where's the – creativity Where where's the options in this thing and and you know, at the end of the day you have to give Tennessee a ton of credit like their defense played out of their mind yeah. they were super physical uh they, they were very fast got to the ball hitting guys I mean they they played great and offensively I mean we saw Joe Milton I've never seen him play like that I mean it was his best game by far accuracy touch uh strength D-ball. all that stuff D ball was immaculate um so offensively that's kind of my vibes offensive line really struggled to handle some of the games and, and things of that nature, which then caused K to you know make some freshman decisions and, and maybe not trust those guys. And instead of just stepping up in the pocket, which you would see a, a veteran guy do, he's doing the high school stuff where he's yeah. trying to be faster than everybody, which is, is just not the case um, by any stretch and, and just putting them in bad situations. So from that perspective, KG, and offensively, it was, uh, it was tough to watch because you're just it like, was. man, you're, you're moving the ball. You're doing this. Okay, this is the chance. And then, boom, you stall out and miss field goals, which was, I mean, that in itself was just
1: miss crazy. field goals, a few of those, you know, tough field goals to ask B2. Yeah, tough situations
0: made. there, like punt right. the ball, like play right. field position. That, that's a right. good game to play. It's a good game and
1: to play. And field position, maybe you force a turnover, et cetera. Clemson got into Tennessee territory on nine of their first ten possessions and scored six points. It's crazy. You're not going to beat anybody doing that. Uh -uh. That's for sure. It reminded me a little bit about how North Carolina could get in the red zone against Clemson in the ACC title but couldn't score. I think my main takeaway, and maybe from this whole season for Clemson, we always I actually remember Cade Klubnick saying this on our podcast, the name of the game is first downs. Somewhat. Clemson had 34 first downs, and Tennessee had 20, and that didn't do much for you. I think watching the playoff, watching these other bowl games, watching Clemson-Tennessee, more so than ever – the name of the game in college football is explosive plays. Yeah. And Clemson has not been able to be explosive consistently this season. The biggest telling factor to me, when you look at the stat sheet, the biggest thing for me was Clemson 5.7 yards per pass and Tennessee nine yards per pass. That's the difference. Tennessee had explosive plays. They were connecting on the deep ball. They were putting faith in Joe Milton and their receivers to make plays. And some of those explosive plays were the nail in the coffin. Clemson just could not be explosive enough. And that to me, overall, if we're talking about DJ, we're talking about Cade, we're talking about play calling, we're talking about offensive line, we're talking about receivers, whatever. I think the biggest issue, overarching issue for Clemson this season was they were not able to be explosive enough.
0: Yeah. And and I think it's super interesting. you You bring up the fact of the you know yards per pass, and and that's such a, a weird stat to me the way that we do it because to me it, it should be yards per completion. Like sure, if, if I'm sure. throwing a pass and it's a drop or a miss, like why am I being penalized for that? K. threw it 54 times, but he only you know got credit for the 320 yards, which you know comes out to 11 yards per completion. Um, Tennessee's was 14, so still that disparage of there's some bombs mm-hmm. being had there by Tennessee, and, and in the run game, you know, just no explosive runs. I think the longest run was 13 yards, but yeah, consistent. Yeah, I mean, ex-
1: explosiveness goes to the run game, too, for yeah,
0: sure. absolutely, absolutely. So, so to look at that, KG, I think you're absolutely right. You, you look at these team stats. You know, it used to be, back in the day, time of possession and first downs, you win the game, but right. 100% now, it's all about explosion. It's all about points. It's all about how can I move the football as fast as I can? I, I don't care how long because Clemson. I mean, Clemson dominated time of possession, 36 minutes to 20 minutes, 23 minutes. And it just, it didn't matter. Clem, Tennessee mm-hmm. was able to score at will. Uh, was impressive to, to see, you know, what they're able to do and, and how they were able to do it with the limited resources. Um, defensively, I thought Clemson was really limited by not having Simpson or Murphy, you know, just mm-hmm. as a pass rush you know, type of guy. I mean, Brian Brzee had to play defensive end, which he did a great job, but obviously not his position. He's not nearly as twitchy as Murphy or or Simpson there. Uh, Thought that Clemson did mix it up a lot, you know, with looks that they were showing, with how they were showing different things. Uh, But ultimately, just the lack of experience and and I guess overall talent, I don't know how you want to say it, at the defensive back position, you know, just came to bite Clemson again. I mean, the fact that you know, Tennessee, I think, had 10 first half or, or maybe even up to the third quarter possessions, and seven were punts, three were touchdowns. Like, it was just, you know, that those points, you know, absolutely killed Clemson. They weren't able to to get it done.
1: The other two plays that really stood out, I think, are the fake field goal where you're running, you're putting the ball in, in a walk-on's hands and a fake field goal. I'm not even going to point out that he's the coach's son, Not sure that really matters. I think it's more that he's a walk-on, and he's not a Hunter Renfro walk-on. He's not really featured any other other way. And then Cade at the end of the half, the clock management, that was a real freshman moment. I think Cade definitely had some freshman moments. And your point, Mac, the biggest issue for him is staying in the pocket and stepping up in the pocket. It was quite the contrast to watch Alabama the next day, and you watch Bryce Young, and Mm -hmm. this man does not get rattled ever. No. He steps up into the pocket and he makes plays and it's just, and he's about the same size as Cade. Cade's actually right. bigger, but he's able to stick in there. And yeah. is that something that Cade can just learn and get better at?
0: Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, it's it's a total experience thing because I'm sure if we went back and watched Bryce, which I don't even remember if he played actually his first year. He didn't at all. He, um, didn't. he didn't play much at all. Yeah. You, you, I mean, <laughs> I'm sure he did the same thing in practice. Like you think you're still faster, better than everybody. Right. And, you find out quickly that, that you're not. And, you know, it's just a, it's a total learning thing. So that's why I, I'm not, you know, <laughs> as bullish and, and maybe it's the Homerism, whatever you want to call it, but you know, Clemson will be fine. Like Cade is unbelievable and going to be really, really good. Once he gets another, you know, off season of, of training and understanding and, you know, as, as, as being the guy as well, like that's important. That's a very unique difference that, you know, this off season will be for him Um But it's going to be interesting to see, you know, just what Clemson does. Are there any changes that are made? Is there any additions personnel wise? Mm -hmm. Um, I think it would be relatively hard to stay stagnant. But that's what we've seen from them these last couple of years. So we'll we'll see if if any changes are made. uh, You know, that that aren't uh, forced by other people with either leaving. uh, Well, I guess that's the only way people have left. There haven't been too many additions,
1: right? And we'll see who comes back players wise. I think that's going to be really interesting, especially on the defense. We will see. And you still bring back a guy like Will Shipley, who has to be utilized more, I think. He was great every time he touched the ball.
0: Especially these last two games. Like with Kate, is the guy. So, So, and and especially, I mean, he's he's a game breaker. There's no question, but the things that he can do for you, you just, there's got to be a touch count at the end of the day. Like, if I look down and I see, oh my goodness, this guy only has touched the ball three times in the first half, that is a red Mm -hmm. flag. Like, I did not do my job as said coach Mm -hmm. to get that done.
1: Right. And I think, too, when you look at preseason ACC player of the year, we'll look at Travis and May. Those are going to be the real guys in the discussion. But I think Will Shipley should be in the discussion. Yeah. And perhaps that comes down to if people think he's going to get the ball enough. But we right. will see. So yeah. anything else on this Clemson-Tennessee game, Mac? Again, plenty, <laughs> plenty to look forward to. It was obviously a rough showing in many respects. You moved the ball. You got in Tennessee territory. You couldn't score. Give credit to Tennessee and Joe Milton and those wide receivers making plays. But anything else
0: on this? I think just seeing how Clemson responds. I mean, it, it's yeah. a it's a very unique situation, Um, you know, lo- losing a game of that caliber, um, you know, and, and just how does Clemson get better from it? You know, is, is this a, a launch pad, you know, or a defining turning moment, you know, for the program? That, that's mm-hmm. what I think is going to be really interesting to see.
1: It almost could be a positive because last year you heard a lot of rhetoric in the offseason from Davos Sweeney saying, so proud of the bowl win. We were able to find a way to win, blah, blah, blah. This year, not the case. So right. we will see if that changes some things. Let's talk about the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. Shout out to our December sponsor, Dukes-Mayo. We appreciate them. And they do such a great job hyping up their bowl game. I felt bad for them in that the teams didn't really show up and help <laughs> with the hype. Maryland <laughs> beats number 23, NC State, 16-12. to This game was pretty ugly mac it all be back that's right <laughs> it was just kind of hideous yeah. in, you know for, and mj morris didn't play that was so interesting to us because dave doran said on our podcast and he said to other people that mj morris was healthy and ready to go and then you yeah. see ben finley and frankly <laughs> you kind of see why ben finley was fourth string for the season because he he struggled
0: yeah no i, I agree it was very um... I guess underwhelming, you know, just to see the the offensive game plan, you know, from NC State. To to have, you know, just a month of, you know, preparation and, and getting ready and, and opportunity to to score zero touchdowns is is rough. I mean to to you know, yeah. stall out, you know, in the red zone, which is a lot what Clemson did too in, in the green zone. Um, not be able to run the ball at all. I mean, twenty seven rushing yards that and something rough. that You know, you and I probably should have pointed out earlier, I mean, the fact that those guys haven't scored a rushing touchdown by a running back since the UConn game is crazy. Like, it's a big-time problem. You've mentioned it time and time again about how bad the the NC State rushing attack has been, but that was something that was on full display again. And then, yeah, just, you know, coach coming on and, you know, saying that both guys were competing, both guys were fully healthy, and then we don't see Morris at all. And, you know, Finley just doesn't look good. I mean, doesn't have a good day, can't really get anything going, throwing balls in the dirt, sailing balls, guys drop them. Um, it was just – there was no continuity, you know, at all. And, you know, I thought the defense did enough to to play in the game and win the yeah. game and, you know, get these guys going. But ultimately, you know, Maryland just had a little bit too much firepower.
1: The defense did what they needed to do, to hold Maryland to 16 points, a team that had scored a lot. We talked about it. They yeah. There were two Big Ten games, I think it was Ohio State, Penn State, where they didn't really score – But then every other game, they were scoring in the 30s. And you hold Maryland to 16 points. That should be enough. (laughs) But it wasn't. Now, if NC State, and this is a big if, if they have Devin Leary, well, look, the whole season is different. So I I think that's the overall vibe with this NC State season is going to be the what if. There were such high expectations. A lot of people picking them to win the Atlantic. Devin Leary gets hurt. You do win four games with four different starting quarterbacks. That's very impressive. You finish with eight wins. It's still, I think, eight wins in a normal year for NC State football is is very good. But because of the expectations coming into the season, overall, pretty disappointing year. And I think just summed up in this disappointing bowl game.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree with you. And, and at the end of the day, you know, we're, we are not the coaching staff. We're not these players where you can, you know, celebrate, you know, what they're able to do with adversity and, and all the injuries and finding ways to win and get to eight wins and, you know, get to, get to a bowl game. As important as that is, we, we just think about the expectation. We just think about what was supposed to happen, what could have happened, what should have happened. Uh, but but you just weren't able to, and then some of that injury, some of that other factors, um, and so yeah, I, I think it is a bit disappointing, you know, for us as the media to what we were we expected from NC State. When I look defensively, I mean, really just a massive day for for you know those kind of big four, you know, from the the NC State defense there with Thomas, Moore, Wilson, and and Engel. Uh, you know, Drake Thomas had a massive day, kind of his his last day. He announced he's going to the NFL. Four tackles for loss, a sack, eleven tackles on the day. I mean, he was all over the place. Played like a man possessed, and it's been really fun to cover him. You know, these last three years in this league, and some good news for NC State. Peyton Wilson coming back, uh, I think, is massive if he can stay healthy. You know, what will that look like? You know, for the Wolfpack, and you thought you were losing all four of those guys to get one back is it's pretty instrumental. And, and a guy that leadership wise, production wise, he'll be on full display for this defense next season.
1: He will. And we will get into all all things NC State in our review episodes and uh talk about the Wolfpack going into next year. But I, I do think it's it it makes it a little harder when MJ Morris didn't play to evaluate. Now maybe they were just saying we want to keep him healthy. Right. We don't want to risk anything in this bowl game. I I don't know. It's a hard situation to read there, Mac.
0: I, I think that has to be the case. Um which in that, I, I have no quarrel with. I mean, I, I think yeah. it, it would have been silly, you know, to play outside of wanting to get that nine wins. Um, why risk, you know, ruining the future if he's still banged up at all? Um, so I think that was a smart decision to, to let him rest. But confusing to say the least when, when yeah. you know, you're know you told he's healthy, he's going to play all
1: Well, stuff. he's trying to throw off Maryland, I guess. That's, That's
0: right. What Coach, That's right.
1: Coach Doran was thinking. <laughs> okay. Our, oh, by the way, I want to add that Mike Loxley wearing the big hat
0: was... He's cheating. Absolutely cheating.
1: I would say genius. No, no. <laughs> very smart. Very they smart.
0: They should have gave him $5,000 instead of ten. That was cheating. <laughs> I, I thought was it was genius. I would have done the
1: same thing. Unbelievable. I would have done the same thing. Okay, how about the Holiday Bowl? Number 15, Oregon beats North Carolina 28-27. I was very impressed with North Carolina in this game. And they had every chance to win it. This could have been a win, which would have said a lot, to beat Oregon, who is, what, Pac-12's technically... Third best team, if you look at who played in the Pac-12 championship. But I, I just was – I thought Drake May stepped up to the challenge. I thought this was big for a young UNC team to bounce back after the NC State disappointment, to prep for this game, to go all the way out to California, and to play really well and put out a good showing on national TV. I know they finish terribly. You start 9-1 and one and you finish 9-5. and five. That is depressing. But I think of all the losers – UNC probably has the most to build on going into next year.
0: Yeah, no, I mean when you have a guy like that and Drake coming back who who just played exceptional. I mean the concepts, the the throwing motions, the just crazy arm movements that we see from him is is freaky. And this was a great game to remind you of that and and his ability and you know not having Josh Downs in this game, I think we really you know just saw again what he's going to be um, and, and who he's going to be you know moving forward. I think not having uh, Antoine Green, you know, really showed again. So, you know, these young cats who can step up, who's coming back Does you know, UNC, they already went and got, you know, Georgia Tech's best wide receiver who yeah. came on and was really impressive at the end of the season. So that's going to kind of be a, a nice piece for them. Uh, but just look at what the future, you know, is, is going to hold. I think the biggest thing, you know, for me is is getting Petaway and Hampton to the yes. level that I thought they were going to be at much quicker for whatever reason. if If it's, you know, getting the offense, if it's understanding pass blocking if it's schematically like the talent is undeniable Uh, injury. If they just, you know, needed to get healthy, those two have to be like the, the, the key backs in the backfield. And, you know, Drake's as good and as threatening as he is, as a runner, like let, let's let that kind of be a surprise. Let's let, let that be, you know, maybe five to six times a game, not double digits, be our leading rusher. Um, You know, I think at the end of the day if North Carolina can get to that moment uh you know look out they, they could be really dangerous and and of course defense has all kinds of you know things they need to worry about and, and figure out how to get back together but you know just to see how nc or, or unc fought in this game to see how they had every opportunity to win it um it was impressive to see and and you know at the end of the game they're going up six points coach rick you know freaks out about it all the time because that's the worst number to be yeah, ahead by
1: it is. it is
0: extra point wins it there um, You know, great fight, nine wins to, to end the season the way they did with, you know, five straight losses is, is of course, tough. But, you know, a lot of excitement, I think, from the, the offensive side of the ball for next year for UNC.
1: I agree that the run game needs to be addressed in the offseason, the running back run game, because you can't ask Drake May to do all of that with his legs. And it's just it's easier to prepare for. And it feels like they're just going to – They've this game was a great display of reloading at wide receiver. Again, you don't just replace Josh Downs, but reloading, that's going to happen. I think the run game and then just the faith, Mac, that Gene Chiswick <laughs> can figure out this defense and make it a little better. And I did find it interesting that a lot of the five-star guys were transferring, and maybe that helps. Maybe it's addition sure. by subtraction because – Perhaps those guys just weren't bought in. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think you really like losing Tony Grimes, but maybe some of the D-line guys. Maybe that will help. I, I just yeah. feel like Gene Chiswick has to make this defense better in the offseason.
0: No, no, there's no question about it. And whether that's going to get guys or, or you know, building with what you have, um, that's a real cause of concern. It's a, it's a big reason of why, you know, you lost some of the games you did. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I think just to get marginally better will be, you know, massive for this team.
1: Okay, our final loser – Syracuse. The pinstripe bowl. Minnesota beat Syracuse 28 to 20. Syracuse finishes the year seven and six. Probably if you come into the season and they tell you, okay, you're gonna go to a bowl game, finish seven and six, you think that's that's fine. Yeah. It was a weird year, starting six and zero, oh, and then all the different things. This game, I think, was just fitting for Syracuse's weird year because this game was so weird. And Minnesota had that big pick six. Minnesota it seems like Syracuse just kept shooting themselves in the foot. And your point, Mac, with the box score, when you look at this and you just look at the box score, you look at the first downs, you look at the yardage, you think Syracuse wins this game, but they just kept finding silly ways to keep get, make Minnesota feel better and just continue right. to keep a, a good lead in this game.
0: <laughs> right. I mean, listen, if I, if I tell you Syracuse has 27 first downs to Minnesota 14, 477 total yards to Minnesota's 200 yards – uh, and th- th- this is the biggest one, holding Minnesota to 77 rush yards. I think Syracuse wins by 30. I mean, I, I think they absolutely you know destroy these guys, and it just wasn't the case. And, and you know, couldn't get out of their own way. You know, lose both their coordinators. You know, have have new guys coming in on the defensive side. Offensively, you know, you feel better because. You know, Beck's been there and been with a knife for so long, so there's that familiarity. Garrett Schrader, I mean, he balled out, threw the ball 50 times for 330 yards. Um, running attack was solid. I mean, they rushed for you know nearly.
1: I you know, like LaQuint Allen. Yeah, he
0: looked great. He looked yeah. really great. I mean, the, the versatility as well in the the passing game. I mean, he had he had you know 26 touches. I mean, that that sounds like the next Sean Tucker in regards to how they're going to want to operate with him. So, I think there's some excitement there. You're losing a lot defensively. Um, you know, with some really key pieces, especially a corner and linebacker uh, that, that have been this young core for so long that now those guys are going to move on. But, you know, ultimately the fight that you saw in this game and a game that I thought Minnesota was going to run at will and you shut it down with, you know, tackles for loss and holding guys to very limited plays. Um, it, it was impressive to see, you know, this from Syracuse and hopefully can build on. You you hit the nail on the head with starting 6-0, and ranked in the country, and then losing, you know, the next five, Sneaking in a win and then losing, you know, the, the sixth one there. So kind of a an abrupt ending, but, you know, surely some some excitement for Hughes fans and, and with Schrader coming back and, you know, just a glimpse of this offense and what it can be moving forward.
1: Honestly, one of the weirdest seasons I think I've ever seen for Syracuse. But I do think you have stuff you can build on and Garrett Schrader coming back. So yeah. I am intrigued to see what Syracuse does next year and if they can reload on defense. And with LeQuent Allen – And Gadsden coming back too. Things could be interesting up in central New York.
0: Yeah, that's right. It'll be, it'll be fascinating to see it. And, uh, you know, even in the play calling, maybe the the lack of pressure to have to get it to Sean Tucker. Yeah. Uh, that, that'll that be interesting to see. Is that's Are they a little point. bit more free in their play calling ability? Maybe a little bit more organic in it. But that's it from the losers, guys. That was uh, a little depressing to have to GML. run through all that again. GML. Good morning, losers. Uh, but but big shout out, Rockham Socks. Go check them out. Uh, rockhamcom You can find any sock you can ever imagine on that website. We're excited to do some fun things with them in the future. Um, And we're moving forward. Uh, We kind of put this season from a bowl perspective to bed. We're going to review each and every team moving forward. Cannot wait. We're going to have all kinds of radio personalities join us. uh, You know, some figureheads, if you will, of the program. Uh Some guys that I know you guys uh, from each fan perspective will enjoy and really like. So that'll be coming up next week. Uh, But that's it from us. Another great episode of Grammock and McLean. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Go right now. Subscribe this, uh, Mash this subscribe button. I'm stumbling on my words here, KJ. Click it. If you're watching us on YouTube. Click it or tick it. That's right. If you're listening, uh, appreciate you guys to rate, review, subscribe over there on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Until next time, we'll see y'all.